Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. So with that, you're welcome to open your Bible. If you've got your Bible with you or you are reading it on your phone, you're welcome to open it on Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. I've got all the scriptures on the television, but uh, you are welcome to open to the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's toward the end. Okay, let me find it. So for the next five weeks, we are going to study the book of of Hebrews. And my invitation to you is over these five weeks, won't you take the 13 chapters of Hebrews and study it for yourself? It's an invitation. On a Sunday, we're going to be speaking about it, and our approach is going to be we're not going to read every verse on a Sunday. There are five themes that we want to draw your attention to. It's sort of like giving you lenses, um, you know, glasses that you can put on when you go and read the book of Hebrews that will help you to unlock this book of Hebrews. Uh, but the invitation is for you over the next five weeks to go and make a study of it, make it applicable uh, for yourself and... Um, We've got a reading plan uh, that we would be happy to send. We're going to put it on our social media, and then also we can send it uh, through to our community group leaders that can forward it. If you're looking for that reading plan, uh, just come and ask us at the info desk, and we'll make sure that you've got the reading plan, and then that's going to help you to read it. Davilius actually uh, put the reading plan together for us. Thanks for that, Davilius. And and so he's divided it up into a five week. That's five days because we know not all of us will. Well, definitely, we probably won't be reading a Bible every day, seven days a week. If you're that kind of Christian, good for you. Just don't tell the rest of us about it. Um, but it's a, it's a five-day reading plan for each week for five weeks so that you can work through the book of Hebrews. It's got other scriptures with it also. Uh, but we want to dig deep into the Word of God and hear everything He wants to tell us. Now, uh, maybe just a suggestion. When you read a, a book or passage of Scripture, a suggestion would be read that passage that you are studying for that day more than once. Maybe read it once or twice or, or twice or three times and maybe use different translations, even different languages. If you're Afrikaans, maybe read in an English, English language also or in another translation. Sometimes something new pops up if you're reading it in a different way. So, so firstly, you read. Secondly, you ask the question, what is this passage saying about God? And then secondly, what does it say about me? So that's the question you have to ask. What does this passage say about God? And what is this passage saying about me? And then the third thing that you do is you pray. You respond in prayer and ask, how is this a pick? How should I go and apply this passage of Scripture that it's not only head knowledge, but that it becomes practical knowledge that I live out? So you read, read it in many, many different ways. You ask, what is it saying about God? What is it saying about me? And then you pray. And if you do it that way, I believe Scripture will come alive uh, for you. And you'll see that Scripture is not difficult. It's something that should be very applicable for all of us. So just a bit of background on the book of Hebrews. So all the books in the New Testament are basically letters that were written by someone to a particular group of people. It might have been Christians in an area or Christians in a particular church. Now, this book of Hebrews or the letter to the Hebrews was written. We don't know exactly who wrote it. And it might have been one person. It might have been a group of guys writing it together. Um, but they were writing it or he was writing it then to the, the Christians in uh, the Jewish nation. 
it would probably be staying in Jerusalem. So these were Jews that became Christians, Jews that decided to follow Jesus. Now, these group of Christians were actually persecuted. They were going through a very difficult time. Now, I think many of us, when we say people going through a difficult time, you might be able to associate this morning, but listen to what they were going through. So they've decided to follow Jesus, and then upon deciding, I'm going to follow Jesus, guess what? Life wasn't easier. I don't know if you've ever heard the gospel in that way that, you know, if you follow Jesus, your problems will disappear. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> and so they experienced this firsthand. They decided to follow Jesus, and then all of a sudden, everyone persecuted them. On the one side, it was the Jewish people that were angry at them because they were confessing Jesus as Lord, not only as a prophet, but as the Son of God. So the Jewish people were rejecting them. They were persecuted probably economically. Some of them lost properties. They were persecuted socially. So you are no longer our friend, no longer welcome in some of the you know, cultural settings together with other Jews. And some of them also persecuted physically. So that's on the one side. Your friends and family don't want to be your friends and family anymore because you follow Jesus. And then on the other side, the Roman government were also persecuting them. So they had opposition as a result of following Jesus. Now I know we are not living in the same days today, but have you ever been at a stage where you've decided to commit yourself and to trust God, and then you feel like He doesn't come through for you? You feel like life is not easier now that you are really following Jesus. Now that you committed to Jesus, now all of a sudden life is still hard. Ever been there? Yes, we've all been there. What happens when we face difficulty? When you are going through a struggle, what usually happens is we lose focus on the one that we are following. As we look around so much, we are confronted by the reality of the difficulty that you are going through. And we sometimes start doubting ourselves. Not only ourselves, but we start doubting God. Like, God, where are you in all of this? And in a sense, we also start doubting our faith in God. I've spoken to people and then they say they don't know how to trust God. They're afraid they're going to lose their trust in God. So, so sort of you're doubting your faith. You don't have faith in your faith. You don't know if you're going to, you know, are you going to be able to keep on following Jesus in the middle of the difficulty that you are facing. And so we can relate to that, and therefore we can say that this Hebrew letter is also written to you. If you, if you are going through anything where you're experiencing any kind of doubt or just difficulty, this letter to the Hebrews is also the letter to you. And uh, how does the writer respond to this? So they're experiencing doubt, so he wants to stir their faith. How does he do it? Now, just, just think about this for a moment. This is fascinating to me, uh, is that the letter to the Hebrews is very much about faith. Yet, he only starts speaking about faith in chapter 11. The letter to the Hebrews, that famous chapter about the heroes of faith, only comes in chapter 11. So where does he start? He starts on the one that you put your faith in. He doesn't start with your faith. 
He starts with the one that you're putting your faith in. See, this person writing this letter understood it's not about your faith. It's about the one that you're putting your faith in. And it's all as if he understood that it's not about how big your faith is, but it's rather about how big the one is that you put your faith in. If you've got a big picture of Jesus, you will have more faith. And the way that he stirs their faith is by giving them a clearer and more accurate picture of Jesus. Because if you see Jesus for who he really is, your faith will be stirred as a result. Maybe just a quick example. I'm going to use a chair for this. So every time you go sit down on a chair, you have faith in that chair. Not like in a weird way, faith in the chair, but basically you've got trust in the chair. Now here's the thing. If you see it is a wonky chair or like a chair that doesn't look like it's got a lot of strength and it will carry your weight, what happens? You lose trust in the chair and you say, okay, no thank you. If the chair seems like it's sturdy, then you go sit down. No problem trusting the chair. Now, if I were to give you a chair that is not sturdy, a wonky chair that you see, okay, this is trouble, and you don't go sit down, what I will not do is you need to, to say to you is you need to go and work on your trust issues. Like if the chair seems like it's broken, do you then go and work on your trust issues? Or do you get a new chair? <laughs> you see, it's not about your trust issues. It's about the chair. If the chair is good, you can trust it. Yet so often as Christians, we tell one another, if you're going through a difficult time, just have faith. Just believe. That's the wrong answer. Just have faith. Basically, we're saying to one another, work on your own faith. Go work on your trust issues. You see, the problem is if you don't have a clear picture of the one that you have faith in, you will struggle to have faith. And so that's what the writer to the Hebrews is doing. He's trying to show them that the chair is good. The chair is good. And that's the point the writer to the Hebrews is trying to make. He gives them a clear picture of who Jesus is. That's why the whole book of Jesus is basically just this book about Jesus. Well, the whole New Testament is, in fact, the whole Bible is <laughs> that, showing us the chair is good, and therefore, as a result, you can have faith in it. I don't know if you know this hymn. I love this hymn. And it's as if the, the writer to the Hebrews, it's sort of like he, he had the same thing in his heart. Uh, but there's a hymn that goes, it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you are struggling with anything this morning, if, 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 you, if there's reason for doubt in your heart, reason for frustration, what I want to say to you is turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is telling them. I know that you guys are struggling, but turn your eyes on Jesus. Can I quickly just show you who this Jesus is? And as a result, there will be faith. The bigger your picture of Jesus, the smaller your problems will seem. It's like perspective. Now, just let me say this. Uh, this is not making light of the struggle that you are facing, right? But 
what we can say, what the gospel teaches us, is it's sort of like a paper clip. If you take a paper clip and you hold it really close to your eyes, or even take the pen that's on the chair next to you and you put it very close to your eyes, it's possible that the pen will seem bigger than what I am standing in front of you. But if you bring that paper clip or the pen and you put it next to me, you put it in the right perspective, what happens? You see how small it is in comparison to me. And so in the same way, if you have your perspective right, the size of your struggle starts changing. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews is trying to do in all of these passages. He's just going on about how amazing Jesus is and how, how greater than everyone else that came before him, Jesus is. Trying to get their perspective right. Saying what you are facing now is nothing in comparison to the glory and the grace of who Jesus is. Trying to get our perspective right. And that's basically also what faith is. Faith is not this magical thing of believing bigger than the reality. That's wishful thinking. Faith is believing accurately about who God is. Faith is not thinking higher about God than what God is. Faith is just seeing God for who He is. It's seeing reality. That's what faith is. So faith is basically just having the right perspective on who Jesus is in comparison to the struggle that you might be facing. It's seeing that, yes, Jesus is in fact bigger than my struggle. Another way to explain Hebrews is that Hebrews is a greater than book. How many of you remember maths in school? You know those things that you say, eight is greater than seven. Makes sense, right. Which one is greater than? And in a sense, uh, the Hebrew writer is starting off by saying, you know, those peop- uh, the, the Jewish people in that time, they really had a, a high view of angels, they venerated, they, they, they really liked angels a lot. They thought angels is amazing. If there's an angel that speaks to you, wow. They also really honored Moses. Moses was the man representing the law of the Old Testament, the law of the Jewish faith. Moses was an important character. Joshua was a very important character also. And then they really honored The prophets, Jeremiah, Elijah, all of them, the prophets from the Old Testament, they really had a high view of the prophets. The temple was very important to the Jewish people. They had a very high view of the temple. And they also had a very high view of the priests, the priests that stood in the gap for them and the sacrifices, the perfect sacrifices that the priest had to bring before God. Now the Hebrew writer, he starts off in chapter one and he says, you know those angels that you guys love so much? Jesus is greater than the angels. And he goes on, says Jesus is greater than Moses. And the, the, I think it's chapter three and four. Jesus is not only greater than Moses, he's greater than the law. Jesus is greater than Joshua and all of the leaders that came before him. Jesus is greater than all of the priests that made all of those sacrifices daily for centuries. Jesus is greater than all of those sacrifices that were made. And Jesus is greater than the temple because the temple was only a shadow, but Jesus is the substance. And so he's showing them Jesus is greater than. It's sort of like 
I don't know if you've watched that movie. I, I fortunately haven't watched it, but there's a movie called Batman versus Superman. I don't know who wins in the end, but it's like one of those questions. Who would win if Batman and Superman fought? Or if Thor and Hulk fought with one another? Like, you know, who, who would win? Godzilla versus, what was the other one? King Kong. Abel and De Villiers. I would take him. I've got, I've got dad strength. Like, I've got three boys. I'd take him, definitely. So it's sort of like that question, and he's putting Jesus next to anything and everything that they held in high honor in the Jewish faith, saying Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. And now that Jesus is here, he's greater than. You can forget about those things. You don't put your faith in those things anymore. You put your faith in Jesus now. It gives them a big picture of who Jesus is. Now, let's read a bit of Scripture. Now, I want, I want to read uh, to us only Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. That's it. And then I want to show you a whole bunch of other Scriptures. And you don't have to follow. If you, if you are taking notes, you're welcome to just take notes and go read it on your own a bit later. Um, but the many other Scriptures just to make the point. Um, but let's quickly read those first three verses together from Hebrews 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. By the prophets. But in these last days, saying now, now, He has spoken to us by His Son. No longer by the prophets, but now He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's speaking about a level where no angel will ever go, sitting at the right hand of the Father, that all things are given to him and everything was actually made for him and by him. He's speaking about a category that no angel, no prophet, no leader will ever come close to. That's how he starts off the book of Hebrews. Now, there's just two points I wanna, want us to uh, quickly dig into that we've got time for today. The first one is Jesus and your Bible. Jesus and your Bible. Now, you might say, okay, well, so I'm asking the question, who's greater, Jesus or the Bible that you have in your hand. You might say, well, that doesn't make sense, but just stick with me. And then toward the end, a quick point is then also, Jesus or your faith, which is greater, which is more important, Jesus or your faith? Now, Hebrews 1, let me just read that verse 1 and 2 again. Long ago and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, or now, He has spoken to us by His Son. Now, if He has spoken to us by His Son, where do you go to listen to the voice of God? Do you go first to the prophets in the Old Testament or you go to Jesus? You go to Jesus. Now, in a sense, what this passage is saying is that Jesus is the more accurate Word of God. In comparison to the prophets, 
God was revealing parts of Himself throughout the Old Testament, giving us these clues. But all of them were pointing to this accurate Word of God, the full picture of the Word of God in the person of Jesus. Jesus is greater than the prophets. And in a sense, the writer here was saying, Jesus is greater than your Scriptures. Because remember the Jewish people, they only had like the Old Testament as their Bible. He was saying that Jesus is greater than the Old Testament. Even the scriptures that you hold in your hand. Jesus is a more accurate revelation of who God is. He is the exact uh, imprint of God. Now, John chapter 1 explains that Jesus is the Word of God. What that means is Jesus is the revelation of who God is. God wanted to reveal himself to us. He starts in Genesis chapter 1. God has always been revealing himself to us, showing us who he is. But the pinnacle of that revelation is in the person and the work of Jesus. Now, let me just quickly ask this question just to stir, uh, to step on some toes. That's the reason I'm asking this question. So, so sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but it's only because your toes are out and then I'm stepping on them. Okay. So is everything in the Bible of equal importance? Is all Scripture equal? Right? Many ways we have been taught yes, but if you read Hebrews chapter 1, the answer is no. All Scripture is not equal because he's saying those prophets, which is this, the Scripture, the Bible that we have in our hands today, he's saying that Jesus is greater than that. That now Jesus is a more accurate revelation of who God is than what we have there. Now it's not saying, what I'm not saying is that when we go read in the Old Testament, uh, some of what the prophets are telling us and revealing to us about who God is, that that is, you know, useless. It is still revealing something of God, but we have to be reminded that that is only revealing in part. We've got something greater. We've got a fuller revelation in the picture, a person of Jesus. So it's just about which one is greater than the other one. But seven still has value, even though eight is greater than seven. Make sense? Okay, makes sense to me. Now, Here's the point about the Bible. So, I mean, essentially we're asking this question, how do I read my Bible? In theology, they've got this very fancy word, hermeneutics. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Hermeneutics. The Villiers? Hermeneutics. It's about the interpretation of the Bible. How do I interpret the Bible? You know, which way? Because two people can read the same book and come up with a different story because of the way that which, in which they interpret it and the way in which, which glasses they are wearing to read the Bible. So the big question is, what is the main uh, you know, concept or the main guideline through which you should interpret the Bible? And it's so important. Hebrews 1 is teaching us that Jesus is. It's about the revelation of who Jesus is. He is the final word of God. That's who Jesus is. And so it's understanding. What really helped me to understand this is that Jesus is not the main character in the story of the Bible. The Bible is a story about Jesus. Jesus is not only the main character in the story of the Bible. The Bible is a story about Jesus. The whole Bible is pointing to the person of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1, we're not going to read it now, but if you keep on reading the rest of Hebrews chapter 1, the writer quotes the Old Testament seven times. 
Seven, if you like numbers, that's like the complete number. But seven different uh, quotations from the Old Testament that he draws out to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of that scripture. Jesus is the fulfillment of that scripture. Jesus is also the fulfillment of this scripture. And so seven different times in one chapter, he's pointing, saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that scripture. Now, what I'm hoping for is that if you haven't read the whole Old Testament, that you would experience a bit of liberty because you realize, I need Jesus. <laughs> now, if you have read the Old Testament, you would know how great it is because then if you read the New Testament, it makes even more sense. But it's not disqualifying if you don't know the Old Testament by heart because the big thing that we're after is to know Jesus. That's where we want to get. It's not only knowledge. It's a relationship with the person of Jesus. Let me quickly show you a few other scriptures. Now, we've read Hebrews 1. Now, listen to other New Testament letters, the way they start. John 1, verse 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, the Word means Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's the way it speaks about Jesus. So he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you the Gospel of John, but before I do, you need to understand it's all about Jesus. Jesus is not only one of the characters in the story. He's not even the main character. It's all about him. It's his story. Another, another letter, Colossians 1, chapter 1, introducing you know, the, the letter, Colossians 1, verse 15. It says, he is, speaking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. It sounds exactly the same as Hebrews 1. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. It's the story about Jesus. The whole Bible is a, it's a compilation of letters that is giving us the revelation of who God is in the person of Jesus. Let me read Hebrews 1 verse 3 again to you. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So it's saying Jesus is not something that came later on. In the creation of the universe, Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father. It's as if the Father was doing it for Jesus and through Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is God. Ephesians, well, I'm not going to read it, but it's speaking about how he has authority over every name. All, of, all rulers and authorities in the, the ages to come, in the present ages, Jesus is the one that's supreme. Mark chapter 1, it's the gospel of Mark. He starts off, first sentence, by saying, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what it's all about. Even the book of Revelation. So why is this important? It's asking the question, how do I read my Bible? The glasses that you put on to read your Bible will determine how you read your Bible. People get so confused when you start reading Genesis and Revelation. But if you believe it's all a story about Jesus, the way that you read Genesis and Revelation becomes different. You see, if I don't read Revelation in my opinion, in the right way, what happens is people get scared 
It's the end times. Am I going to be part of the rapture or not? We start preaching fear into people. And it's actually for freedom that Christ has set us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? So if the result is fear in the way that we read Revelation, then surely our interpretation is wrong. But if we see that Revelation 1, verse 1, starts off with the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the book of Revelations, plural. It's Revelation, singular. It's the revelation of Jesus, my friend. The whole Bible is the revelation of Jesus. If I see that, that then I start reading the book of Revelation in such a way that it doesn't matter what happens, even if the world ends, Jesus remains on the throne because in every chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus is on the throne and he remains in control regardless of what happens. Jesus is not an important part of our faith. He is the object of our faith. Jesus is not the, I love saying this, but Jesus is not the, the leader of my religion. Jesus is my religion. Simple as that. Jesus is my religion. It's all about him. It all points to him. And the goal, when you go study the book of Hebrews, and if there are parts that don't make sense to you that much, I mean, that's why they study Bibles, that's wonderful. But in the end, what I'm interested in, are you falling in love with Jesus? Are you getting a bigger picture of who Jesus is? Being in relationship with Jesus. Now, as a quick side note, if the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus, we know, is the Word of God, then how do I read my Bible? It means I seek Jesus. My theology professor, he said it like this. The Bible is the self-revelation of God and this self-revelation of God finds its pinnacle in the person and the work of Jesus. So when I read scripture, it's not about knowledge. It's about getting a revelation of who God is. I'm getting to know someone. So when I have a date night with my wife and I ask her questions and she tells me about her week and what's happening in her heart, it's not gaining knowledge. I'm getting to know my wife in an intimate way. That's the way that we approach scripture. Now we seek Jesus now, here's the point. If you read Scripture and you don't get a bigger revelation of Jesus, you just read a bunch of ancient Scriptures. If you read the Bible and you don't see Jesus being revealed, you're just reading a book. It's an old book. It's not the Bible. It only becomes the Bible, the Word of God, when the Word of God gets revealed. This only becomes the Word of God when the Word of God gets revealed through it. And that's what I meant when I said, who's the greatest, the Bible or Jesus? Jesus is the greatest. This is only a book, but as soon as Jesus gets revealed through it, then the Word of God was revealed to you. And then that is why we say, this is the Word of God. Why? Because it contains the Word of God. It's the revelation of the Word of God. Maybe just a quick, uh, this, this opened my mind when someone said this for the first time. Now it might be, maybe it's the first time you're hearing in this and you're not so excited about it as I am. You're welcome to, let's, let's have coffee and uh, let's have a discussion about it. But here's the question. Is this, do we believe it contains the words of God or the word of God? 
You see, when we read the Bible, we don't say this is the words of God, the literal words of God, because it contains the words of David and the words of Solomon and the words of Moses. It, it contains even very shocking stories in the Bible. But through all those stories, the word of God gets revealed. So that's why we say this contains the word of God, not necessarily the words of God. I'm hoping what I'm sharing is helping you to go to the Bible so that you walk away from reading your scriptures knowing who God is and not confused and feeling intimidated because you don't know all, you don't know all the scriptures by heart. <laughs> That's not the point. It's getting to know a person and his name is Jesus. And the last quick point, Jesus and our faith. So why would the writer of Hebrews start with Jesus and then only later start mentioning your faith? Because Jesus is the object of your faith. It's the chair example. It's not about your trust, not about your faith. It's about having a clearer picture of the object of your faith. And so if you need more faith in your life, if you're struggling with doubting, seek Jesus. Get a bigger picture of Jesus. The bigger your picture of Jesus, the smaller your mountains will seem. I want to maybe start, uh, stop or end with a, with a final story uh, and then we're going to respond in worship. But there's a story about two rock climbers. And so these two rock climbers are scaling this wall or this rock face and they go up very high and they're climbing without ropes. And you know what that means. At a certain height, if you fall, you die. So they don't have ropes or anything. They're busy rock climbing and they come to a very high point. And then at this point, they are so high, if they were to slip and fall, they will surely die. And both of them, they need to make a move. They can't just stay there forever. They need to go up, otherwise they'll also die. And so the first climber is a very confident climber. Let's call him the confident climber. The second one, we're going to call the hesitant climber. The first one, the confident climber, he's at a stage where he needs to make a move and he sees a little rock sticking out from the rock face and full of confidence, he puts his foot on it. He doesn't doubt, he doesn't hesitate and he puts his weight on the little rock and he keeps on climbing. The hesitant climber is at a similar spot. He sees a little rock sticking out and he looks around for other rocks. He weighs up all of his options and then he looks at the little rock and then he starts testing it. He puts his foot on it but doesn't put his weight on it because he just wants to test whether this will hold or not. And very hesitantly, with lots of doubt in his mind, he eventually transfers his weight onto the rock. Which of the two climbers have got the highest chance of survival? The confident climber or the hesitant climber? We tend to think it's the confident climber, but in reality, it's the climber that trusted the right rock. It was never about the climber. It's about the rock that you are trusting. In the same way, my friend, it's not so much about your faith it's about the object of your faith. You don't need big faith in Jesus, in a small Jesus. You just need normal faith in a big Jesus. Welcome to the book of Hebrews. I want us to stand together, and Albert, uh, you and your band can join us in the front. As we respond in worship, 
it's so important, and this is the word that we're ending off with as we respond, is that we don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in Jesus. Just listen to that again. You don't have faith in your faith. You've got faith in Jesus. And so just back to where we started. If you are in a place where you have got a mountain in front of you, you are struggling, there's, there's something that's making you doubt or fearful or insecure in this moment, whatever the case might be, it's not about getting over your own doubts. It's not about your own faith. You've got faith in Jesus. And in this moment, when we respond in worship now, I want to invite you to just say a simple prayer to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I believe you are greater than whatever it is for you. Jesus, you are greater than my struggle. Jesus, you are greater than my worry. You are greater than my fear. Let's worship Him as we proclaim Him as greater than. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.